Hey, I'm so excited today to share the word with you. You know, every summer, uh, I know that this time is coming, that I'll be speaking a series. And so I like to take time to pray. And so for several months before the summer, the Lord drops stuff in my heart and I'm writing it down and I'm asking him for clarity and asking him for direction. Um, one of the things I love to do is do word studies. And um, I ask the Lord to bring clarity to me and to give me a word that, that we can take some time over the next couple of weeks and talk about. And I search and search and search, and then there was the word. It was like I, I was stopped in my tracks as I was studying. Here's the word. The word is awe. When the Holy Spirit drops something in your heart, there's no way your hand can keep up with it. And when he drops something so amazing in your heart, you will spend weeks, months, years, sometimes a lifetime unpacking all that he has put in you today. So today I'm praying that the Lord drops something like that in your heart. John Piper said this. He said, if you don't see the greatness of God, then all things that money can buy become very exciting. If you can't see the sun, you'll be impressed with the streetlights. If you've never felt thunder and lightning you'll be impressed with fireworks. And if you turn your back on the greatness and majesty of God, you'll fall in love with a world of shadows and short-lived pleasures. Father, we love you, and we thank you for how incredible you are. It is so difficult in our human minds to wrap them around your awesomeness. And I pray today that you would help us to capture you in perhaps ways that we have never captured you before. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Somebody shout amen. amen. Anybody excited to be in church today? <laughs> Any lawn lovers out there excited that it's going to be raining all week so you don't have to waste, waste uh, you know, water in your lawn? Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm a lawn lover. Chris is like, yeah. Lindy, Lindy is so excited for us, for our passion uh, for lawn. Um, our scripture text comes from Psalms 47 and 2. It says, For the Lord Most High is awesome. He's a great king of all the earth. And then we see in Exodus 14, 31, it says, When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. And they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This word awe is an interesting word. Now, the first part of the message might make you a little nervous, but I need you to hang on and we got to get all the way to the end because we got to wrap it all together like a big gigantic present. The word awe in the Old Testament is used about 60 times and only six times in the New Testament. Here's a couple of the words when we think of the word awe that actually contain the word on them. There's some other words uh, like the word awesome or the word awful or the word awe struck. In the Old Testament, this word awe or awesome is used as a way to describe God and his awesome presence. Or the Bible would say things like this, he is awesome and mighty or he's awesome in majesty. Or speaking of his power, he is awesome in power. Now, as we see in the New Testament, this word is used much less than it is in the Old Testament. And here's one, here's one of them. In Acts 2 and 20, it says, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood 
until the great and awesome day of the Lord. I want to make a few statements about this word awe today from a biblical perspective. I think it's pretty safe from reading these scriptures and and from what most of us know about God. It's pretty safe to say this, number one, that God is full of awe. He's full of awe. Now, um, we see that he's full of it, but what exactly is awe? What, What is he so full of? The word awe or awesome, specifically and mostly in the Old Testament and a few times in the New Testament, is translated as the word terror or fear. Now, I don't, I don't want to disappoint you today. And I know you love to sing the songs, you know, God, you are awesome. You are awesome in this place. Come on, old school people. I won't bore you or terrify you with my awful singing this morning. But we sing about it. In Exodus 14 and 31, when we read that they were filled with awe, the, the Hebrew word awe there is actually the word yara. Ra. I'm just kidding. I, I don't know if that's really what it's about, but it says yara. It means to be afraid. It means to be terrified. And in the New Testament, the Greek word for awe, one of them, because there's a couple of them, but one of them is the word where we get our word phobia from. It is phobos. It's where we get the, the phrase, I'm, I'm afraid of something. I have a fear of something, a fear of spiders or a fear of snakes. But this word awe is often related as a word of fear, a, a word of terror. Um, now, in the English vernacular, we would never say this about God because we use the word awful, meaning like that sandwich was awful or that, that cheeseburger was awful. I'm never going back to that place again. But it's so interesting that when you think of the word awful, and we know God is full of awe, but the word awful is really awe and full, to be full of awe. Not the way that we use it, but I just thought that was interesting. I figured I'd bring it up. Now, we understand that much of the time in the Bible and in the Old Testament, when people experienced the presence of God or an angel of God, they were filled with awe. They were filled with fear. And and immediately the angel would come and say what? Fear not. And this is one of the, one of the words that, or, or some scriptures that we can take a look, look at is, um, in the Old Testament is Exodus 3 and 6. So here's a situation where, here's Moses. And Moses, the Bible says, trembled when God appeared to him in the burning bush. He was trembling with awe. And in Daniel 10, 11 and 12, Daniel said this about God. He said, he said when God spoke this word to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel. In Isaiah 6 and 5, when Isaiah saw the Lord in his glory and in his majesty, he cried, woe is me, I am ruined. I think Isaiah saw how weak he was in the presence of God and how powerful and terrifying in its its fullness the presence of God could truly be. In these occurrences and many other places in the Bible, when, when God's presence showed up, people were struck with awe. They were struck with this, this, this terror and this fear. 
In the New Testament, as people experience awe, we see that they experience it many times in terms of the works of God, not just the presence of God, like when God showed up in the Old Testament, but when, when miracles were performed and when, and when Jesus was moving through the crowds. And we see in Luke 7 and 16, when the, when the, when the, uh, when the widow's son was raised, the Bible says this, that fear sees them all, but in this kind of fear, they, they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us, and God had visited his people. In Luke 5, 26, when Jesus demonstrated his authority to forgive sin, the people were struck with awe, and some people loved it. And, and, and others, specifically the Jews, they didn't like it so much. They were, they were very uncomfortable with, with this power, this authority that Jesus had to forgive sins. In fact, they didn't think he had that kind of power and that authority. But what is it about this awesomeness of God that, that some reject it and others embrace it? It's so perplexing to me. And it's so strange to say God's presence is awesome. His presence is, is, is terrible and, and, and I'm scared of it. It brings so much fear upon me. But I want you to know that that's not all the word Awe means. There's, there's more to this word. There's more to the story. Let's continue to unfold this word awe together because it's not all terrible. In our notes, when we think about this word awe in relation to God, he's actually very full of it. He's full of awe. And in relation to us, in your notes, we are impacted by, God, by awe. How are we impacted by awe? Well, there, I want to suggest to you a couple of ways we're impacted by, by God. And I'm just going to give them two, both right at the same time. Well, the first is some run in fear. And the, the second way folks are impacted, some stand in amazement. But why would people run in fear when they're impacted by God? There's probably a lot of different ways, but, but one of the ways I want to suggest to you, and we're going to unfold it here in a moment, is because they don't see the full picture of God. They just see him in part, and they tremble, and some run in fear. And at the same time, why would some run, but some stand in amazement? Here's something so cool as we take a look at the New Testament and we see how this word awe is translated in the New Testament because it's completely different how it was translated in the old. old. Um, by the way, I'm sure most of you know this, that the Bible we read is, was not written in English. It was written in some original languages and these were beautiful languages. They were, they were, uh, they were, they were more detailed than the English language. So that's why Sometimes when we see words in the Bible, we've got to go back to the original word to get a better understanding and to get more clarity. It kind of helps us read between the lines. Let's read between the lines as we take a look at Mark 9 and 15. It says this about the crowds. Jesus was growing in fame and crowds were swarming around him and they were following him. And it says this, when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. And I read that and I go, well, with, with the awe that I understood as I read all these encounters in the Old Testament, um, most people trembled with fear and an angel had to come and say, hey, fear not. But here we see in the New Testament, this word awe means something a little different. When, when Jesus shows up, nobody had to run and say, hey, fear not. And in fact, there was something different that happened to them that actually made them run to Jesus. 
So here comes Jesus, and and we know that Jesus is God. And we know that if he's God, he's full of awe, the same awe that we know of when we read these encounters in the Old Testament. But there's a different response when they encounter Jesus in awe. They're not in terror. They're not in fear. They run to him. This word awe in the New Testament, by the way, I don't speak Greek, but the original Greek word is the word ekthambeo. Now, I asked Siri, and she didn't have it right, but whatever. <laughs> this word, ah, is actually the word amaze. And then that doesn't even tell us the whole story, because this word ekthambeo, that means amaze, is, is really a combination of two different words. Are you ready for this combination? It's this, the first word is eek, which means to come out of something and into something else. Well, I read the scripture and I say they were overwhelmed with the amazement and something about this moment of amazement, this moment of awe, they came out of something and into something. Well, what did they come out of and move into? Well, this second word, uh, thambeo, tells us what that is. This second word, thambeo, tells us this, it means that They came out of their senses. They came out of their normal patterns of thinking and feeling, especially and specifically in terms of deception. So if there was anything that they didn't understand about Jesus, anything that they did not understand about the Father, when they were impacted by the awe of Jesus, they didn't tremble in fear, but they actually, when they came into his presence, they came out of fear, concern. They, they came out of, of deception, of, of not understanding who Jesus was and God the Father was, and they came into this new thing, this new place of thinking that they, they loved it so much that they ran to greet him. Isn't that interesting? And I begin to think about this, this moment of amazement when you're in the presence of Jesus that, that takes you from a place of unbelief to belief. That's how amazing he is. He can do in a moment of touching you with his presence what no words, what no person can ever do trying to convince you that God is real and move you from a place of unbelief to belief. That's what amazement does for you. That's why being touched by the presence of God is also so powerful for you. This awe is an awe that draws people in and does not make people tremble in fear. This is a completely different kind of awe. It was as if God the Father wanted people to know something different about him. Not different, but something in addition to what they knew about him. It was after the father was saying, hey, I don't want you to just know the, the terror side of me and the powerful side of me and the majestic side of me. I want you to know another side of me, another piece of me, because if you don't know this part of me, you won't have a full picture. So he says, I want to show you my other awe, my awe that is amazing. I think the awe that the father was showing, I'm speculating, was his love. And it doesn't really say that in the scripture, but we can see all throughout the scripture. We see it in 2 Corinthians 5 and 14, for Christ's love compels us. 
Does terror and fear, fear of your earthly father drive you to him? Or does his love for you drive you closer in a relationship with him? This awe in Mark 9 that drew people in in a way that they had not seen before because they had never seen the son, Jesus. In fact, Jesus is a full revelation of who the father is. He's not different than God. He is God. And he tells us the full picture of who God is. I believe the father is saying to us today, I know that it's hard to understand my awesome power. I know that it's hard for you to understand my, my greatness and the terror that comes with understanding my awesome power, but I don't want you just to fear me. I want you to be compelled and be in awe of my love. I want to try to give you a picture of this, and uh, we could probably spend our lifetime trying to wrap our brains around this because this is very difficult to keep, keep two things that are so so contrast or, or so different from one another yet together all at the same time. And, and I'm going to fail as I try to give you this example just because God is too awesome to wrap it up in one little example. But think about this. Think about the sun. Compared to the earth, the sun is enormous. The sun is about 109 times the diameter of the earth. The earth is so tiny in comparison to the majesty and greatness and hugeness of the sun. The sun is so large, it is about 1,300,000, uh, well, let me say this, sorry, let me, let me rephrase this. About 1,300,000 earths could fit inside the sun. That's how big the sun is. It is so powerful and so large that if it got any closer to our planet, it would destroy us and we would melt. But when its power is tempered and it, and, and it goes perfectly and we rotate perfectly around it, it can gently warm you as it moves through the clouds on a cold, breezy day and give you the goosebumps and make you feel the warm and fuzzies. Yet at the same time, it has power to obliterate and destroy you. Our friends and neighbors, and you and I, we are drawn by the love of the Father. It's like the gospel writers, they knew this. It's over and over and over as we, we read the gospels, we see them, we see them repeating the heart of the Father. Love, love. And John is like, love, love. And, and Jesus is like, love, know my love, know my love. It's like the Father is saying to his creation, there's more to me that I want you to know. There's, there's another portion of me that I want you to experience, and it's my love, and it is amazing. Now, please don't hear me wrong today. I'm not saying we don't need the fear of God. The Bible is so clear that the fear of God is needed for us, but this fear of God that we, we talk about when we say we need to fear the God is, is a reverence. It is a honor because he is all-powerful. How many think you ought to be in reverence towards somebody who is that powerful? But it's not about being in terror of him but we should fear him in the sense of honor and reverence. Nearly every time people encounter God the Father through the Son in the New Testament, there is a revealing of the Father's love, not the Father's terror. 
John 15, 13, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than he that laid his life down for his friend. John 3, 16, the, the scripture that, that almost the whole world knows if they know anything about the Bible, they probably know this, for God so what? Loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. Jesus said, this new commandment I give to you is to love your neighbor He knew that love would compel you, and he knew that love would compel your neighbor, not terror. This is the full picture of God. This is the amazing grace, the amazing love that we sing about, and God wanted to share it with you. Do you see it? Do you see how awesome he is? And do you see how powerful he is? But he tempers his power when he loves you so that he don't crush you, (laughs) so that you are not obliterated. So here's the, the wonder of awe. It's not just one thing, it's two things. It's that the fact that God is awe means that his presence is terrifying. And the fact that God is full of awe means that his presence is amazing and compelling and full of love. It's not one or the other, it's both. So with this new lens, this, this understanding of the awe of God, let's read John, 1 John 4 and 18. 1 John 4 and 18, it says this. There is no fear in love. In fact, he says, perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made in perfect love. What makes you in perfect love? When you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ through the salvation of the cross, through what he did to forgive us of our sins, we become perfect and we are made one with him, one with Christ. We become one with him in perfect love. And here's what the father says to you, child of God. Don't be in terror of me. Because when you are with me and we are one together, I want you to know that there is no fear in love. I want you to know that my perfect love casts out all fear. Although my presence is terrifying and it's huge and it's big. And if you could even catch a glimpse of how powerful I am, I want you to know this, that you are safe when you are with me because perfect love casts out all fear. What a promise to us today. The believers in the New Testament had such a hard time wrapping their brains around this concept. We see in 2 Timothy 2 and 25, uh, this is a book in the Bible where, where uh, Timothy is, is a disciple of Paul, and uh, Paul does a great work, and he leaves Timothy off to manage and to continue to shepherd and, and be the leader of this church. And so 
you know, Peter's off or Paul's off doing the Paul thing and, and he's writing a letter to Timothy. How, how many know like pastors need some encouragement? So he, he's, he's writing a letter to this young pastor telling him, hey man, don't lose heart. Here, here's how I want you to deal with this situation. And, and here's what he says. He says, Tim, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. What, who, who is it that was opposing the truth? So Here's, here's Timothy preaching in his church and people are opposing the truth. Like, what's up with that? It still happens today. And Paul says, hey, gently, did he, harshly, come down on them hard? No, gently instruct those. I, I just see like a child running off that way instead of a parent grabbing their arm going, eh. you know, I, I see them going, Gently instructed those who opposed the truth. How were they opposing the truth? So at that time, there were, there were so many people. The only, the only religion, the only way people knew about God was the Jews brought this thing called the Ten Commandments and the law, and they served God through it beautifully, and it, it serves an incredible purpose. And God the Father shows himself in amazing ways through this. But Jesus comes on the scene, and, and there's like this new introduction on how to have a, a relationship with the Father. And these Jews had a really hard time with that. And they were opposing the truth. They were like, no, fear God, tremble. And, and Timothy's like, no, but perfect love casts out all fear. Like Paul told us that. And, and don't, don't you, this, 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 is, this is different. Like he, he's so awesome. He's so amazing. And, and they were opposing the truth. And, 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 and these Jews, some of them wanted, wanted to let the driving message be a message of terror and a message of fear because as, as their forefathers, the Israelites moved from one place to, to the next, people trembled with fear as they heard that, that God was coming with his chosen people to, to wipe this place out with his power. And, and they were trying to keep this message in there. And, and although that's part of the message, but it's not the whole message. There's a whole other part of the story. And Timothy was trying to go, guys, there's, there's another part of the story. And Paul says, gently instruct those who are opposing the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. When they do, says this in verse 26, then they will come to their senses. Doesn't that kind of sound like the word amazement coming out of and into? When they encounter, when, when they're instruct, gently instructed, and so they're opposing the truth, as they're gently instructed and, and the awe of God touches them, perhaps God will change their hearts and, and then will come to their senses in ways that you could have never convinced them. And God the Father will, will convince them in a powerful way and they will come out of unbelief and they will come into belief. And the Bible says they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap. I think today that, that sometimes we, we, we think the devil's tra- trap is, is uh, so many crazy things. But I think part of the devil's trap is that he would like us to just stay in fear of God the Father. Because we put distance between the things that we fear, don't we? And we run from what we don't understand. And we, we run from what we, what we can't control. And God the Father says, no, don't run from me. Yes, I am all-powerful. But when you are in relation with me, perfect love casts out all fear. The Father says to us today, don't get stuck in the same trap that the church that Timothy was leading got stuck in. You know, and it even goes a little further than this because some people in here would say, but I don't serve a God like that. I, 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 God doesn't terrify me. And, and, and publicly, you, you might preach perfect love casts out all fear, but privately, 
you still live in insecurity and, and in terror and, and, and unsure in your relationship with God. And the Father says to you, if you are in my love, I want you to know that my love is so perfect that it casts out all fear. Stop believing a lie. Stop living something that I never intended you to live. I didn't intend for you to live in a terror relationship with me. I intended you to live in a love relationship with me. My love compels. Today, we've got a a family who's going to be getting baptized, and it's such a cool story, and you guys are going to hear about it in a minute, but if if you're going to be getting baptized today, you guys can go and get ready. The last thing I want to say today is is this, that we are on a journey of awe, every single one of us. We're on a journey of amazement, and so is your neighbor, and so is your coworker. So is your spouse, so is your cousins, your brothers, your sisters, your moms and dads. Every human on this planet, we are on a journey of amazement. And yes, God is all powerful. And yes, he is awesome. And if we could really see him in his fullness, we would actually drop dead, the Bible says. But God the Father wants you to come in amazement with him and experience his love in light of his power. Yes, he is all powerful, but he sends everybody on a journey of amazement in their lifetime so that they could stand in awe of him and see how lovely he really is. Hey, regardless of where people search, to find things. Did you, did you know, like, people are in fields of study because they wonder about them. They, they become scientists because they have a wonder and a curiosity, and they become doctors, and, and they become lawyers because they want to figure out, okay, how can we make sure to bring justice in a broken system? And, and they wonder how to get into the human psyche and, 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 and keep lies, lies, and expose them and bring, bring the truth up so that there can be justice. And, and, and people and, and doctors wonder about the human body and, and psychologists wonder about human relationship. And, and no matter how much people have studied through time, through all generations, in fact, from the garden until the day, every generation, they stay in wonder. And their wonder drives them to know more and more and more about the thing. And you know what the amazing thing is? Is they never find out the full picture. They end up in their life at the bottom of a gigantic mountain, still trying to understand human interaction, still trying to understand how to have a good marriage, still trying to understand how to help the human body. It is because God wants the people to go on search. And when they go searching and they run into him because their curiosity never ends, their wonder is never filled, that they would see him and experience his love. It's so funny. Uh, John 1.3 says this, through him, speaking of Jesus, all things were made. It's so amazing that no matter where you look, his glory is shouting at us. No matter where you look, his amazing love and his amazing creation is pointing back to him. You can't look anywhere 
and not see him. You could look up into the stars and you see his hand that casts him out there to light the night. You could look up at the sun in a hot day and be in so much wonder, why is this thing not burning me, but it's keeping me warm. You can be in wonder all day of how he created this relationship called man and woman and how he is displaying himself to us through that. You can, you can look all day at the trees and the wind that blows through the tra- trees and as it creates and makes ox- oxygen so you and I can breathe in and out. We can wonder about all the day. And we can look up into the galaxies and stay in wonder all day. And people wonder. And if they start asking the question, who did this? How did this happen? Wow, this stuff is amazing. Can somebody tell me who did it? Who was so creative? Who, who was so precise that they could make the galaxies rotate just right without us just falling into oblivion? Who is so awesome and wonderful? Who is so powerful yet able to be so gentle all at the same time? He wants to meet those questions with his amazing awe. He is so good. Our takeaway today is this. God will never fail to meet your wonder with his awe. He, his awe is terrifying. It is overcome by his perfect love that casts out all fear. Wow.